Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. I didn't break. You didn't? On spring break. Did you? <laughs> uh, no. No. Got a couple of good tries, though. There were a couple couple days in there that I was like, I see Ooh. you see, I see you spring break. I see you try to break me, but you didn't. I know. I'm here. I know. I'm and here. they come in so hot. They do. Yeah. I, feel, I do feel like this was, it felt like a long break. Mm. I don't know about you. I mean, I was gone, but I, it still felt long. Yeah. It felt weird. It felt, I don't know. It wasn't yeah. the same kind of spring break, but you know, cause it was like, uh, what were we doing here? It was kind of sudden. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was, <laughs> there was a point cause the, the beginning of the week was a little stressful. Uh, cause we had a, some doctor's appointments for Eleanor and I was just, you know, stressed about that. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then the rest of the, well, the, what I thought was the rest of the week was horse camp. And they were gone from 10 to 3. So I was like, this is going to be great. Until I realized I still had to make lunches every day. And I, I mean, I literally had a couple tears in my eyes on Tuesday <laughs> where I was like, I just don't want to. I just need a break. Like, when do I get a break? When do I get a break from doing this? And my kids are like, what? Mom, what's happening? I'm like, I just, I'm just, I'm just tired of making lunches, guys. I'm just tired of making lunches. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> okay. There was some peanut butter situation. I, well, I know. I was like, this is the time that you can have whatever you want because you guys are outside. You know, you, you don't have to have like restrictions of which, you know, they still do have mm-hmm. dietary restrictions or whatever. But I was like, oh, my God, I just fucking need a break from packing these lunches. <laughs> you know what I love? The days where I have all the processed things. I just throw it in a bag. And I'm like, here you go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, have fun with all those wrappers. All of it. I'm just, not going to open them yep. for you. <laughs> don't do hand it. me a cheese stick. <laughs> Ask somebody else. I'm not opening it. I love it. I, I love. It. I I get down with those kind of lunches. Yeah, but you know, it's not every day. I can't do it every day. I mean, right now my kids have some restrictions that don't allow them to have some of this stuff, and I'm like, I won't ever take those packages for granted ever again. Ever again. <laughs> never, never, never. Ever again. Well, and I thought, like, why can't my kids just like a lunchable? I don't. They're awful oh, for you. I get it. I'm, no, don't shame me. But there's not. some days I'm like. Can I just throw a Lunchable at no, the situation? my kids would eat a Lunchable all day, every day, if they could. They really would. And I don't have, I'm like, I, I wish at this point I could give you a Lunchable every day <laughs> since you were on your way. <laughs> Unfortunately, right now, we're not able to do that. I loved a Lunchable when I was a kid. Oh, man. I mean. They were so good. It's something about, like, <laughs> the size of the ham. Like, what? What? inch diameter was that? Because it's not like your, that, though. your deli sliced thin. It was like. Not quite a honey baked ham style, <laughs> but a little bit below it, which you're like, yes, perfectly round edges. I don't know how they did it. I mean, <laughs> it makes me want to go get my cookie cutter out and a piece of like, ham. Boop, and boop, just go, boop, yep. Boop. <laughs> it was so perfect on that little cracker. I know. Gosh, it just made like, I'm not a perfectionist or someone that has had symmetry or evenness in my life, but that was what I got down with. I'm like, look, it's so perfect. It's so pretty. Yeah. I know. It looks delish. Well, no lunchables. No lunchables. We survived Florida. I will. Can I say one yes, thing about Florida? Please do. Well, the part that I went, I don't know what's happening around the other part of the state. It's a big state. I know there's probably some Yahoo's doing some silly goose things. Mm-hmm. But where I went in South Florida, it was not lawless. 
they were they kept their shit under control. People were barking at each other. It was great. <laughs> I thought that people had their shit together in right. my mind. So be as what it may. Like I thought I was going to go down and it was going to be complete pandemonium. Right. Wild, wild west. <laughs> I'm going to have my, my hand sanitizer in my holster. You know, like I haven't really thought this. But if I'm asking the other. Ready but go. I will tell you. No. No. Not the case. A lot of things were spread out. Yeah. Now here in, in, in South Florida, you have a lot more outdoor eateries than you do up here in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a lot lot larger. And, but even like at the beaches, it was super spaced out. Yeah. I mean, I could do 10 cartwheels. Not that I was. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe you could have. Maybe I could have. <laughs> um, and not hit somebody. Right. Like it was just crazy. It was so spaced out. Um, and everyone was just very mindful mm-hmm. it, through, the whole pro- through the whole week. I'm like... I don't know why everybody's getting bad rap. Well, uh, but do, have you seen the video footage from Miami a couple weeks ago? That's where the bad now, rap is coming. <laughs> no, now see, I didn't go to Miami. Yeah. I'm just saying it. it's not all. Let's yeah. not all shame. Let's say the whole state. The whole Florida. state. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on the West Side. Mm-hmm. All I can know is a little Boca. Boca was <laughs> under control. <laughs> they were. They were. They were eating the baked potatoes and they're minding their business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm here. I know. Great delis though. Oh man, great delis, no, so good. Did I you had, get a good bagel? I did. Yes. I mean, I got some good food. It yeah. was it was a lot of fun. Good. Um, and travel was super easy. I will say too, like mm-hmm. language has changed mm-hmm. on the travel on the planes. So be mindful. Like if you're taking a spaghetti dinner on the plane, <laughs> they're gonna ask you to eat quickly. <laughs> Can you finish that in three minutes? <laughs> Like right. I feel like you have to really, really channel like how yeah. fast you can eat things because they they're saying either eat fast or between bites put your mask up and they are very direct with their language. I thought about this um, after we had this conversation. It's like, do I need to eat on a plane? Yeah. Do you like, know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's an international flight. You know, from here to Florida and from Kentucky to Florida, it's you know usually around two hours, if that. Um, it's not international. It's not international. It's, you know, it's domestic and it's nonstop. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a nonstop. Yeah, we didn't, but it's, you didn't. it's not okay. that hard. Okay, I mean, even it was better. four hours. So you can get on your plane, not eat, get off your plane, have a snack before you get on your next flight and be fine. Is it something a kind bar can't fix? Like, I just right. want to yeah. just no, look I get at it. the bigger picture. And I understand. Yeah. Like, and you can get those gross deli meat sandwiches. That um, at the little eateries right before you get on. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know. It's just, it's just, yeah. yeah it's, some people get a little out of control. They do. I mean, and I get it. I've, I've been I that do. person yeah. on a plane pre-COVID that would get, you know, a burrito <laughs> and eat it at my leisure during my flight. I'm that person. I'm, you know, I'll have a full on meal and, and not provided to me by the, but I'd still eat the snack that they give me, even though I'm eating this burrito. Like it's my last chance to eat food. On a plane, then I know when I get off, I'm probably going to go have a cocktail and dinner or someplace when I get off the plane. Food tastes better at the airport. Look, can I just say, sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I need, I get hungry. I'm like, that pretzel looks delicious. Mm -hmm. I need a salad. I need the ice cream cone. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) now listen, if you're in the Atlanta airport, you get your, you get the pick of the litter of what you want. Mm -hmm. You can go from Chipotle to Dunkin' Donuts to Chick-fil-A in, you know, half a step and you get all the points. And by points, I mean you hit all the points that you yeah. like to hit, um, and it's great. You know, back in the day, you could take all that on the plane with you. Oh, you know what though? If someone brings Chick Fil A on a plane, you that better, you, that's <laughs> gonna make everybody hungry. It's right. like the one you like, smell it. You're you like, smell that. You're like, no, I need Chick Fil A. Like, damn it. I will say, 
if you are the person that brings a tuna fish sandwich on the plane, <laughs> you're an asshole. You're an asshole. <laughs> I will even go Caesar salad because it's just you never know the Caesar that you're going to open it, up. That's like it's so, so true. <laughs> like, you know, it can be really robust mm-hmm. and great with Parmesan right. or it can be like really sour. <laughs> a lot of lemon. A lot of lemon. <laughs> it's a gamble. You know, it's a gamble. It's what you do. It's a gamble. Yeah. But times have changed. You don't need a full meal on the plane anymore. So ask yourself, you can a kind bar fix this problem? Right. <laughs> can kind get you from mm-hmm. Dallas to Louisville? Right. You know, whatever. Where Wherever are you going? going? Yeah. Maybe so domestic, places. I mean, and two, nonstop flights are opening back up. There's going to be more of them. I know like a lot of mm-hmm. people have layovers and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it was, the language was different. Um, the attitudes were a little bit more little flexed uh-huh. so they were very on the mask more so than they were before right uh, when i flew back in august maybe i okay. forget the last time it's been a while it's been a while so i just want to yeah. update anyway who hasn't hasn't left hasn't right gotten on that big <laughs> that big flying bird in the that sky big bird. <laughs> that big bird. i will say my my son uh, my oldest son went to colorado with my parents for his 10 year old um birthday bash, birthday bash mm-hmm. trip and um you know, he did a bunch of fun things, but coming home was a big debacle because they flew into Cincinnati and which it, is like an hour ish yeah. from where we are here in Louisville. And so they're flying in and it was so turbulent that they could not land. They tried twice and the turbulence was really bad. Like they were doing those big drops where oh. you come out of your seat and all that kind of stuff. And he wasn't really noticing that bad. Were you like, pray a lot <laughs> on that flight? You're like, like, I don't believe in God, but oh, I might now. Yeah. <laughs> Please get me on the ground. So safely, safely. He didn't he said he didn't really notice it until everyone else started making a noise. Oh, okay. And then he was like, "Oh, I should be scared." Oh, Cuz everyone was yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, I'm oh, one of them. Yeah. Yes. That plane drops like that? You're it's like, "Is this it?" Scary. <laughs> I know. I know it's a good sign. People's like, "It's a good sign cuz it's trying to level out." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell that to my heartbeat." Right. And my anxiety. I try to re- think of like, you know when you're on a boat and you hit wake and you go up and you go down and you go up and it, like I keep telling myself when I'm on a plane and I hit turbulence it's just like wake on a boat I tried to tell that to my daughter this last time we flew in November and she's like it's not the same and I'm like I agree <laughs> you're like I'm so sorry I know it's the same I'm so sorry I've done you no justice here <laughs> yeah, so but they had to land in Columbus which was actually a couple hours away from Cincinnati and driving and so fueled back up took off again we're able to land in cincinnati but that has been the talk of our house like he's like mom it was so crazy i'm like are you scared to fly again like well, how do you feel about it yeah and you think you need time he's like no i'll get on the plane i was like that boy you. i know God, oh, that you. kid he also looked like he grew like seven inches over this trip like he came to the I house yesterday that. and dan was like uh have you seen my and I was like i did he looks you know and i don't want to like point it out to him but i'm like yeah he's so tall right now like it's crazy i know crazy i know it's like I had to resist that. Yeah. Oh my God, you grow where you're going. You know, I didn't want to like make this great like, grand like right. thing, but like I, I felt like that too. I'm like, gosh. So I can only imagine what grandparents feel like when they don't see him for a few weeks. Like, yeah. Gosh, you really do grow. You really do. I know it's nuts. Well, we have a new guest. We do. You guys, I am so pumped for you guys to hear this interview that we did. Um, we recorded this a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was an online recording. With a new friend of the podcast, Miss Alexa Salvaggio. We had to practice that multiple times. Um, But she's really fun. And she has a very interesting story. Um, 
a one that when you hear it, you're like, wow, okay, okay. Um, she mm-hmm. is recovering from an eating disorder and her journey on how she finds recovery is really interesting. I think it's really great. Too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one where you're like, oh, okay, this is neat. Like the universe just kind of puts people in your path that you need to be involved with. Um, you know, just to kind of get you where you need to go on this little journey we call life. But Alexa has a super cool story and she also has a really yummy chocolate. It is. It is dealish. Um, and there's like a, a really cool method. I mean, it's, she wants you to practice like mindful eating. So there's like meditations that you get if you purchase this chocolate bar. You get like a, a little QR code that you can scan to do a meditative eating so that you just kind of get more mindful and more present in the your, process in of the process eating. The of eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Uh, so, you know, we, I, I really enjoyed her conversation too about just her presence um, and surviving certain traumas in her life and overcoming certain griefs. And it's a, it's a process. It's an, it's a recovery. So it's never, it never really has an end. It ebbs and it flows. It has yes. waves. And so it's just really taking that and into consideration the self care techniques that she uses. We, we were walked through a great breathing exercise, which I hope you guys take. I mean, you hear us pause because she walks us through it. Take your time and try to do that. Yeah. It is so interesting. We really felt what we felt yeah like, so I've, i want was, you to take a moment and do that yeah it's about i think she's it's a 60 second breathing thing that we actually do on air so mm-hmm. when you if you need to rewind and do it with us like do like, it what's going on with what this? is happening <laughs> uh but it's super cool uh and we'll talk about in the episode you know what we felt after we did it but it was damn it was cool damn it was cool i liked it <laughs> so check out alexa and before we go mm-hmm Thanks for being here. Yes. We really appreciate you guys. Um, it has been really fun this spring and we're, we got some new stuff coming. So thanks for being here. Enjoy the show. Yes, it's working. It's like the internet hasn't failed us today. <laughs> okay. Miracle. And we are on with Alexa Silvaggio. I did it. Woo! You did it. You We're did it, baby. Yes. Hi, Alexa. I love Thank it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is a Monday. It's raining where we are, kind of where you are. So why not podcast? Yeah, it's the perfect day for such things. I'm so <laughs> glad to talk to you both. Yay. We are so excited. We um, we kind of got connected over the interwebs, and then we had a little conversation. We knew you would be a perfect fit for our community because we talk a lot about body positivity, but also just being messy in life. Yes. So mm-hmm. we wanted you to share all the messiness that you have with our community and just how to embrace it and move to the other side. Absolutely. Well, messy is the perfect word for me. Um, (laughs) And frankly, you know, like the healing begins with the inclusion of things, not with the rebuffing of things. So if you're messy and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my messy, include it. Just like, love it. Every, it all deserves a seat at the table. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We really embrace the the self-discovery journey here and every part of that. I mean, from packing your bags to unpacking your bags, you got to understand that it's part of the process. Yes. So um, give our our listeners a quick rundown of your credentials and how you got to where you are right now. Absolutely. Um, So hi, you guys. I'm, I'm really grateful to be in your ears right now. Again, as so beautifully stated, my name is Alexa Silvaggio. And yes, Silvaggio means savage in Italian, which we'll get to later. My my company is called Savage. Um, but I'm a wellness entrepreneur. I'm based in Los Angeles. I lived in New York for a lot of my adult life. Uh, I'm an ex-musical you know, theater Broadway actress turned yoga teacher, 
meditation teacher, uh, CEO of a mindfulness chocolate brand that encourages us all to cultivate a more loving relationship to our body and to food and to actually experiencing our pleasure rather than it being this thing that we all kind of like save up for a rainy day, you know, where I, I don't know about you all, but for me, for, for much of my life, it was like, okay, hustle, hustle, hustle. And then one time a year you get to go away to Italy and like, enjoy your life for six days. Right. And, and like F that noise, like I'm not interested. Like, like we deserve to experience pleasure every day um, in whatever way that is for us. And for me, chocolate was a huge part of that. Um, as you and I, you and I, you both and I discussed uh, previously, you know, I, I do firmly believe that we make our mess into a message. And when we do that, we create something super, super powerful and super potent because it comes from a place of need. Like it comes from an actual place of intention. And I had struggled for many years with an eating disorder, uh, back when I was in the musical theater, New York world. And, um, it was rough because I was super successful. I worked a ton as a super anorexic person. And, um, you know, it was like, what was that? How old were you during this time? Um, I started when I was about 20, uh, until I was about 23, 24. So I was a little bit late to the like full blown eating disorder game. I know people kind of talk about, Oh, I had it in high school and whatever. Um, I think the, the misconception around eating disorders is that it has anything at all to do with food or your body. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is it's, it's just a means of checking out. Yeah. So for me, I, I was coming to this kind of crossroads and not really understanding why I was still doing what I was doing for a living. And so it felt, um, it felt good to be very, very small and very, very safe. Um, but that's part of why I created savage because after I did so much work around that in the yoga and meditation world, I decided, well, let's, let's give people some chocolate. <laughs> it's kind of like, like giving yourself that permission, like that you didn't give yourself for so long. It's, it's like in yes. not indulging. It's like, no, you no longer, you have the power back. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and we live in a society where like our social capital, there's so much value in our physical appearance that relates to how people you know respond to us socially so when you are getting met with like oh wow you look amazing and yet amazing to somebody looking at you on stage means emaciated and undervalued and like small framed and you're getting so many positive vibes from that you're like yeah this is working for me well internally it's literally killing you exactly exactly how are you maintaining this lifestyle while still not taking care of your body what were you like running how did that work how did it come to a halt is what i'm saying (laughs) yeah well it's so wild yeah because like nowadays like if i like skip a meal i'm like oh my god i am like storming i can't handle it i don't know how the whole like anorexia thing worked for me at the time because i was dancing professionally like three hours a day and i I don't like to get like calorie specific because i find that it can be kind of triggering but like Needless to say, it was not appropriate. And I don't, I just was running on full fumes. Like, I don't know how people do it. Um, But really for me, I hit a rock bottom uh, when I, I had been, 
I had been doing a show. I had been doing a production of The Fantastics, which I don't know if you know that production, but it's a very famous musical. And it was a co-production between a few theaters. And so I had been traveling. And I hadn't seen my family in like six months. And I was being incredibly restrictive and, you know, really just kind of trapped in the confines of my own chaos. And it was the holidays. I was going home to see my family and I knew that I was thin. Like I definitely knew, I mean, here's, here's part of it is the character I was playing was, is somewhat androgynous. Like mm-hmm. you're like, are they a boy? Or are they a girl? Mm-hmm. Um, I had like a full, like I have a quite feminine, you know, feminine features. I have feminine face, a feminine body now. Um, but my face was like completely painted. Like I was like a totally different character and I had just no body weight. So it was like, I don't know what she is um, or who she is or what she's supposed to be or he or they or whatever. And that was kind of part of the role that I was playing. And so it really, it really worked for me to be in that, in that body type. But I, I knew I was thin, but I didn't have a concept of just how thin I was. You know, when you're in that spiral it's like being in a really tiny closet like you don't you can't really see very well it's really dark you can't really move around like there's no there's no flexibility like there was a very rigid way in which I was anorexic which was just like very very restrictive so I felt I felt super trapped and super small figuratively and literally and I was going home to see my family I was on the airplane. They say when you're on a plane, you're closer to God. <laughs> um, and and I, I was sitting there on the plane and I had a book that I had had for years. Like I had just had it, but I hadn't actually read it. And it was Louise Hay's You Can Heal Your Life, which was like kind of the OG, um, like spiritual guru guidebook, really. It was written, I think, in the like late 70s, early 80s by Louise Hay. Um, and she talked about eating disorders in the book and how it was a, a form of extreme self-hatred and how it was a, a means of slowly killing yourself. And, um, and I was like, wow, that's intense. That's heavy. Uh, and I, for some reason on the airplane was really hungry. I hadn't, I hadn't really experienced hunger in a long time. Um, and I was sitting there and the flight attendant came by and I was like, Oh, I'll get it. I'll get a tomato juice. Cause like there's some, at least some calories in that. I was, better than water. Um, and I got the can and I read it and I paused and it had 50 calories in it. And I just looked at the, at the flight and I said, you know, I'll take a diet Coke instead. Mm-hmm. And the flight attendant looked at me like, okay, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, cause she saw I was reading the label. Like it wasn't like subtle. Like, oh, okay, um, fine. You're like, mm, this uh, I would like to- Yeah, Diet Coke. Um, and it's like, clearly I wasn't making like a nutritional like <laughs> choice. I wasn't like, oh, there's aspartame in this. Like, no, I was trading it for a freaking Diet Coke. Like the, right. there was no like, yeah. She was like, oh, girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. And she was just like, I could tell she was like, oh, honey. And I got the, and obviously I was emaciated. So <laughs> she was like, yeah. Um, 
So I got my Diet Coke and it just, for some reason, it really hit me in that moment. I had just read that book. I sat there with the Diet Coke. I was starving. I knew I was seeing my family. I was nervous about seeing my family because I knew that I was thin. I was also nervous about being around my family and having them be like, do you want this to eat? And needing to be like, no, I'm the only thing I'm allowed to eat is this. Cause that was my thing. Um, so there was this like weird anxiety. And then I got off the plane and my sister saw me and like immediately started weeping. She was like, you are super sick. And I had what's called Lunago. It's like when you grow hair in other places, cause you're so thin that your body is like just cold. Like you literally don't have enough fat to keep you warm. And so you start growing like peach fuzz on your neck and on your chest and on your cheeks. And so I had that, it was subtle. It's not, I wasn't like dark. I'm a light haired person anyway, but it was like aggressive hair. (laughs) And she was like, I can tell you have this thing. Like she just, it was, she was like a big like mirror of reality. And the very next day I went to my first yoga class and I would like to say that that was like the moment things healed, but that was actually the moment where things started getting really hard because I had to actually be there, like sit with my shit. Yeah. I had to like do the work. And the good thing about the yoga practice was that it was physical and I had a dance background my whole life. So at least it was like, okay, I can like move through this. It wasn't just me trying to sit with it. It was like me trying to move with it, um, which was so helpful for me. And that practice has guided me more and more intimate with myself. And you know, I define intimacy as into me see. Like I'm just see, I just see myself more clearly. And when you see yourself super clearly, you can't unsee it. You can't be like, wow, I'm really sick. And then be like, yeah, cool, whatever. Let's keep doing it. I mean, you can, I guess, (laughs) I guess you can, but I, I'm just not that human. So I saw it and I was like, okay, we got, we got an uphill battle. Yoga class. And obviously when you enter into a class, even though, you know, you had a dancer's background and it was hard. So what did you, did you love it? Did you hate it? And then what kept you coming back? Yeah. You know, I did love it. And I think I loved it because the class was really hard. (laughs) So there was a part of me that was like, and my sister took me to that class. It was a guy named Rusty Wells and it was at the yoga tree in the Castro of San Francisco. And he was a pretty famous teacher in San Fran and his class was packed. I mean, like I'm talking like 200 people in the room. Um, And it was so wetty. And so I think that that was what got me into it because I was like, Oh no, this is great. Like, yeah, I'm meditating, but I'm also burning more calories. So like, that's the earnest answer. Unfortunately was that, that originally like that was a means of that. But the beautiful thing about the yoga practice is it's all stealthy and it's like, okay, cute. Like you think you're doing this, but like what you're actually doing is practicing presence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was the biggest gift in a weird package I ever got. That's one of the, I always say that that's one of the best gifts yoga can give you is that it teaches you how to unlock your self-love and that's sometimes it's yoga is so hard for a lot of people because that lesson they're not ready to, to get, but I, I always think that, um, like people that come in from a dance background and even like a gymnastics or a cheer, 
your body already kind of knows how to do the motions. And now it's that click of like, okay, body knows what to do. How do we tap into our mind getting here? How do we tap into that like spiritual and emotional sense to like connect all those pieces together? Because specific, like with dance, I mean, you're in those types of, you know, gymnastics and cheer, it's so easy to compartmentalize. Like I physically know that I have to go here. So you just kind of put your mindset and you go. But with yoga, it really taps into all three and pushes you I always think pretty aggressively, like along, along those lines. For sure. For sure. And, and it's so much, you know, like with dance, with gymnastics, with cheer, with anything, you know, that's, that's kind of a performing art or a, uh, something like gymnastics wouldn't necessarily be called a performing art, but it, you know, it's for other people to watch. It's not like, oh, this is my practice. It's like, well, I'm doing this to compete or, you know, something of that nature. So it's always like, under the microscope. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And it's for other people versus yoga is like, you know, I say it in my class all the time, like, you're never going to win a yoga. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, yeah. you're never going to win at it. Like, yeah, yeah, we have like social media now where people are doing tricky shit and it like gets a lot of likes on Instagram, but like, that's actually not yoga either. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, dog, just not- by the way. yes, she's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And like, I'm, you know, I have those, like, I have those skills. Like I can do some crazy shit with my body, but like, that's, but that's not it. Like it's, it's about, you know, the reason we do these intense poses in yoga is not because they're intense poses. We do them because it's a practice in staying present while you're doing them. Right. Like you can't be in a handstand and like, think about what you're having for lunch. Like it just won't happen. Like you have to be in your body. So that was such a huge download. Great. Because too, like you remember where you were like the first time, like, "Mm, this is not good for my body. And then you also remember the very vividly, the first yoga class you ever went to. And those are like, those are stark differences. You're like, I need to make a change. And this is how it's going to help me move forward. And I think that that it is a practice and it's not, it's not going to cure all. It's not a cure all end all be all, but it does point out a lot of like, the things that you need to move, move into, I guess. Like I, over, that's, that's how I got into like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of, this depression is sitting with me. I need to, I need mm-hmm. to address it and, you know, mm-hmm. let go of some of that perfection, which was eye opening for me as Huge. well. So it's, it's more, it's more. Yeah. You can always well, visit it too. No matter when you step away from it, it's always waiting for you. It's like, I'll be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the way we do anything really is the way we do everything. So it's like looking at the yoga practice, you know, yoga is a life cycle. Like you, you start on the floor, you come to all fours, come to stand, get really strong, become a warrior, chill out. And then you die. You go to Shavasana, corpse pose. Like every single practice is a life. So like noticing which part of the practice you don't like, noticing which part of the practice resonates, noticing which part of the practice you kind of like check out of or the part that you want to like hurry through or the part that makes you kind of anxious or angry. You know, like I used to be that chick that would leave before Shavasana because I didn't want to sit with myself. I didn't want to be enough in no thing and nothing. I didn't want it. I don't, didn't want that. I needed to be doing. Right. If I wasn't doing, it wasn't safe. So noticing, you know, it's like looking at like, what's my least favorite posture. Okay. My least favorite posture, like these days, my least favorite posture is pigeon pose. Mm -hmm. What does that pose represent? Well, it represents stillness. It represents sitting with your emotions. It represents opening up your emotional seat, 
right? This is where we like hold on as women versus someone who like hates tree pose. It's like, well, tree pose is about balance and flexibility. How's that going in your life? You know, so just looking at how it reflects on the pose and off, on the mat and off. Yeah, I did um, an entire year where I focused on wheel pose because it was my least favorite posture. And I more lessons about myself and about my (laughs) wheel pose. And I thought any amount of college or any amount of classes or any amount of education I've ever because it's like when you put your focus on something that you don't like, it's really not anything to do with the posture itself. It's about how you are internalizing and taking that on, you know, to everything else. So I, I appreciate that so much when other people are like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Kind of with um, social media too. I kind of wanted to go back and touch on that a little bit. What are your takes now? Like as yoga and social media are, are just huge. What are your takes on like the more difficult poses and how it's become more of almost extreme yoga at times? And Mm -hmm. how do you think that a practitioner in and into yoga should approach that and look at themselves as a yogi moving forward? Like you're just Mm. starting out or maybe you are in a recovery process as well. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that the reason Westerners get a bad rap for practicing yoga is because it's true. We've made it like an extreme sport. It's like, how good can you do that thing? How can you show up for that? Um, I don't really teach asana like that. I don't, um, I don't really teach those poses because I don't. I think that that flexes the ego more than it flexes your ability to just stay present. Um, but, but here's the thing. It's like, if you get into it because you see somebody do that cool pose, and it gets you on your path anyway, then I'm not mad. Yeah. You know, like I look at, I look at my practice now, my practice is mostly seated meditation. Like I really don't practice asana very much. I teach it, but my, my teaching of asana is actually very simple. Like I don't teach crazy shit. Um, but yeah, my, my practice these days is mostly meditation, but 10 years ago, never would have been that way. I would have gotten into it because something made me sweat. Mm-hmm. So if it gets people on that path, then I'm like, great, great. Yeah. That's I, I 100% agree with that. Cause I mean, sometimes the, the gifts that you're looking for in life comes in packages that you just didn't know that they were going to come in or you're expecting totally. it in certain ways. And I think yoga is one of those gifts that shows up with, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to do a handstand. And, but your yes. lesson that you, the actual gift that you get from that is so much more yeah. And it doesn't look anything like a handstand. So that's, oh my God, completely. Handstand is such a teacher in surrender too. Like it was for me, like I, for my first couple years of practicing handstands, like they were super inconsistent. So I just had to like, I just had to keep it so real with myself. Like, okay, sometimes I'm going to, sometimes I'm going to come to the mat and it's going to go great. And sometimes I'm going to fall. Great. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We get yeah. up, fall down, we get back up, we stay down. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. I started, when I started handstands, I was so fearful. And that's why I started. I was like, well, this is my number one fear. Yes. Right of this. So I'm yes. going to say, I'm going to do this. And it was so interesting to see like where it went and where like, and then I got really good at teaching those people that didn't know how. I was like, 
I'm your person. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but I got really good at being like, okay, listen, I'm not a gymnast. I wasn't all that kind of all kinds of crazy flips and all that. So I get you. I, I'm your person. So it was really great to help those two, but then like unlock another door, like unlocking that fear. Cause once I like they popped up and they got it and then I got more excited for them than I scared them and then they fell down. <laughs> but I got, but I feel you like it took me two years to really feel stable. Like not even probably I couldn't even, even if I popped up today. I'd be like, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, like it's still something so foreign. Sure. that's oh still okay like every pose still feel, is supposed to feel foreign because every day you're different would you kind of agree with that oh 100 exactly i mean not only is it this like kind of woo woo spiritual we're different every day but also like our cells regenerate like we literally have a different physicality not to mention you know what we did the day before and how that affects our physical body or like what we're going through emotionally um it's gonna affect our practice and how we show up to it and what's available to us so Absolutely, girl. Yes. <laughs> so, um, because I want to make sure we touch on this. You just mentioned a couple of minutes ago about meditation and that that's a large part of your practice. Yeah. Is that a large part of your recovery as well? Oh, for sure. Um, uh, absolutely. So I uh, love me some breath work and I love me some meditation um, because it allows me to create some space. I am really good at packing everything in, like packing everything in, like having a busy day, but also packing everything in my mind. Mm -hmm. So there's no spaciousness. And even if I'm just met, I, I commit to meditating twice a day for 15 minutes, twice a day. And which is not that long, but even just that at the beginning and the end of the day is like, so it's just so sacred and you know presence really is the great healer of all things if you're anxious get present mm -hmm. like if you are depressed which comes from depressing things like get present doesn't mean it's going to heal all obviously there are <laughs> there are reasons that we struggle with anxiety or depression or everything in between that but we can get to the healing place by getting present with what is. If we want to heal our relationship to food, get present. You know, if you want to heal your relationship in general, get present. And we keep things interesting by staying interested, period. Whether it's in a yoga pose, whether it's in a partnership, whether it's in a meal, right? So an interesting life is a life of meaning and find that we have to just get really present. And again, it's like that unexamined thing. Like if we're unexamined, if we're not looking at our own stuff, if we're not looking at our relationship to this, that, and the other thing, whether it's food, sex, yoga, shopping, anything, if we're not like actively looking at it, then it might, it might be serving us. It might not. So it's helpful to be just more and more present. And that, and that mindfulness, uh, that meditation practice is non-negotiable for that. That's great. What's your, um, what's your favorite breath work? Mm, I love holotropic. So um, I, so I teach for a place called unplug meditation. There's an, there's an app as well. Um, but that is, I find like a short and sweet, like, 
there you are. <laughs> um, have you know what that means? Can you walk us through? Yeah, oh my God. Yes. I would love to. Maybe we can even do it a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing I love about breath work is it's like anytime, anywhere, like just like stop, drop and breathe. Um, but holotropic breath work, I practice it for a little bit longer, but literally you can do it for a minute and a half and you will change your brain change your mind, get into your body. So it's two inhales and one exhale all through the mouth. So you think of breathing into the belly, into the heart, and then back out. Sometimes there's an emotional response that comes with it. If you do it for longer periods of time, sometimes there's a physical response to it. Like you'll get tingly somewhere like tingly in your hands or in your feet or in your belly. But really what it's doing is you're over oxygenating the blood and it's sending uh, just information, right, to your body. So all of that kind of oxygenated blood is showing you where there's stagnancy. So if you have, um, like, if you do the breath work and you find that your fingers are gripping, right, there's some stagnancy there. They would say stifled creativity. If you feel it in the throat, stifled truth. So it's kind of breaking down by chakra system as well, as far as where you'll feel stagnancy, but it's super quick, it's super easy. It just sounds like this. And you can do it quickly, you can do it slowly. I've heard, the cool thing is if you take a class, you'll hear people doing it at all different levels and they actually play like pretty aggressive music. It's meant to be evocative. So like loud tunes and just everyone's like, going in on their breath. I, usually it's like a 40 minute practice, but you can literally do it for 90 seconds. And it, for me, it changes the game completely. Like do it before you get in a fight with your partner and like everything will change. <laughs> so two and one out. One out. Yeah. Yes. Like feel it. Like it's, you said yeah. the back of the heart, like that's what breathe your like, belly, feel it in your heart. And then. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to do it for a little bit? Like a minute? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it for a minute. Okay. <laughs> And my beautiful, crazy Zen angels, let's try it for a minute too. Okay, ready? Good. Moving that at your own pace. Belly, heart, out. Yes. See if you can take it a little bit deeper. Okay. Uh huh. Stay with it. about thirty more seconds. <sighs> Belly, heart out. Good. Now take a deep inhale, let it go. Good. And just check in with how you feel. My fingers. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Here at my eyelids. No, it's my eyes. I feel like mm. my eyes are like. Yes. My eyelids. So that's intuition. And this is stifled creativity. So it's just showing you where you need a little bit more energy. It's really fascinating, but that was one minute. That's one minute, guys. 
Okay. You know, imagine doing that for 40 minutes. So the, the creator, I, I did that for 40 minutes. <laughs> Girl, I know. I was like, I was like some kind of weird zone, but yeah. yes. Okay. I, I was like, yeah. if you guys tried that with us, I would love to hear what you guys felt. So yeah. hundred percent. So, oh, I'm, I'm like living for it. So I do that every morning for 15 minutes and then I go into a meditation. So I, forget who the creator of it was. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, It was a, I believe he was an Englishman. um, And I want to say it was in the late seventies and it was actually used in psychological practices as a means, means of treating like PTSD and helping people kind of deal with their trauma in a really helpful way. And he actually found it to kind of mimic psychedelics So it gets you to somewhat of a similar place of this like body awareness, this presence, this sense of oneness, this sense of um, kind of unity consciousness. Um, But that was actually why it was created because he was like, well, let's see if we can get there without any sort of medicine. And I think it's really effective. I can definitely tell something. Yeah, there's a lot of like- It's a euphoric, um, not- I always say that. That's a that's a heavy word. Um, yeah, it's like a yeah. It's layered. It's really layered. Yeah. I mean, you can feel. I mean, you could definitely feel like that, like the the energy crossings, and you're like, okay, movement mm-hmm. is happening. I mean, not just yes. breath, but like internally, you just kind of feel like there's like a an energy passage going on, which is mm-hmm. you know, we all. I know it's been said before, but it's like if you want to connect, you just you start to breathe, and you're like, oh, okay, there's there's truth in science behind that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, people, like, I know a lot of people listen to the podcast in their cars, but right now, if you're driving, I bet you some way your breath is held and you're probably oh, sure. clenching your jaw. Your mm-hmm. tongue's probably at the roof of your mouth. You might have a little bit of furrow in between the brows. Like you're, you're not this little muscle between the eyebrows is not relaxed. It, I think that's a, we live in like a tense area. And so I felt like a little bit more of yeah. like, let go, which I haven't Oh, on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Okay. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, mm-hmm. oh, go, go. No, go. You're good. Uh, just, it can be, uh, again, just one minute. And it's like, just gets you to a state of, oh, there I am. I'm in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know yeah. when we first um, had our first initial conversation, you shared with us that you did go into psychedelics at some point for part of your treatment in recovering from your eating disorder. Can you kind of walk us through what that journey was like for you? How did you get started and where are you with that now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me just start by saying that um, if you are listening and you're like, Ooh, psychedelics bad. Um, maybe for you, maybe, um, you know, like for anyone, not everything works for everybody. You know, someone can go like, oh, hey, I do yoga and it really changed my life. And other people will be like, I get in the yoga room and I want to kill everybody. You know, (laughs) it's nothing is for everyone. Um, But for me, diving deep into some psychedelic work was incredibly transformational. Um, I actually had an experience when I was living in New York. I was teaching a class and my... Um, someone who I really respected as a, as a yoga teacher, I was teaching at a place called Pure Yoga. It's like one of the loveliest studios in New York. It's, it's a gorgeous place. And, and a teacher that I really respected and looked up to came up to me after a class that I taught she had taken. And she said, you know, I don't know why I'm called to tell you this, but um, I feel like you would really benefit from, from some ayahuasca. 
Like, I feel like that's something that you should look into. And I had never even heard of it. I was like, I don't know what that is. I think maybe three years went by and I was teaching a yoga retreat in Tulum and they had a uh, energy worker at the retreat center. And she actually said the exact same thing. She's like, I don't know why I'm called to tell you this, but like, I just think that you, you know, could, could benefit from some of these teachings. And she was like, and if you are interested, I know someone. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I started to do my research and, you know, I, I think when you're suffering is bad enough, you're really willing to do some, some shit, you know? And even though at this point I had done so much healing, like I was, I was by all accounts to the outside world looked like a normal person. I didn't have it. it I didn't have the actual actions of an eating disorder, but I definitely still had the inner dialogue. Mm. And I did my research, did my reading. I'll never forget. Um, there was an interview with Marianne Williamson. She was asked about psychedelics and she said, you know, when drugs help you help people, we call them medicine. And she was talking about, psilocybin she was talking about ayahuasca and Deepak Chopra said something of the sim of a similar vein and so I was like you know what this is one experience like I'm gonna give this a go so I, I actually moved to Tulum for three weeks worked with a shaman there to prepare which included cleansing I cleansed for a week and a half just you know very clean eating because you do go into that space and often there is a purge of some sort, which is not anyone who's like, oh my God, I hate throwing up. It's not like throwing up to throw up. It's not like, oh, I'm getting sick. It's like, I'm letting something go. Mm -hmm. But the more cleansed you are, it's true. It's, it's a little less intense, it's a little less violent. Um, so worked with her for, I guess, two weeks in preparation, a week and a half in preparation did a medicine ceremony um, and then integrated for a week. And that integration piece is really important because what you see, experience and feel in that space, it's equivalent to doing like three years of therapy in a night. Wow. So were you and like wrecked after that? Cause I feel like that would be like, ah. yeah, that's, that's the beauty is that no, because it's not your ego that's doing it. It's like your essence, it's your soul that's doing that work. And because your ego is pulled out of it, it's all very objective. Like you're able to really process your stuff. That's why right now at Johns Hopkins, at NYU, at Harvard, they're doing all these studies around healing with psychedelics like psilocybin, like LSD, healing things like PTSD, palliative care, uh, anxieties, things like that. Because again, these medicines bring us to a state of unity consciousness. And it also, again, the ego kind of dissipates. So we're able to process what's really in front of us. Um, so that was my first experience with ayahuasca. Um, and I'm glad that I actually did that first, because I think that's like 
she, she's the mother. Like she's like the mother trucker of all of the psychedelics. Yeah. So in, every, oh, you went in like <laughs> pushing your girl. Yeah. I didn't like dip a toe. I was like, honey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Two people tell me, but I, Hey, I believe in that. If the universe mm-hmm. is telling you. you and and that was it. That was it. This wasn't like, no one was trying to like sell me anything. Like it was just one of those moments where people were like, I really feel like this is something that you need to look into. Mm-hmm. And and that put me on a whole different level of consciousness around respect, not respect isn't the word, reverence for the human form. And also really the thing about doing, it's, it's so hard to articulate. Here's the thing to keep in mind as well, is to articulate something that is so difficult to articulate because it's kind of unexplainable so it's navigating, talking about it is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so you said that you had difficulties with your internal dialogue. Before. Yes. Did that dissipate or was that even a less? Oh, majorly. Less? I, it dissipated because I knew on a different level that I was not my body. That my body was a vehicle, not an ornament. And, you know, we can hear things all we want. Like I, you know, I can know that I should love myself. I can know that I can take, should take care of myself. I, I, I can know it. Like I know these things are true, but until you really like actually know it in your body and know it in your soul and know it in your heart and, and feel what that feels like to really know those things, it's really hard to integrate. And I always knew like after going to rehab for anorexia, like, oh, but I'm not my body. Like my worth is not in my body. My body is awesome because it works and it's this and it's beautiful and it's all the things. But to know it wholeheartedly in my essence, in my soul, in my consciousness, that my body is my tool for having a purpose on this planet It is not my purpose on this planet. Mm. And to know that it's like, why would I even think those things? And that's not to say like, I don't take, take care of my body. I do take great care of my body, but I take care of my body because again, it's the vehicle. Just like I would take care of my car. I don't want to like drive a car that doesn't have gas in it. Or I don't want to drive a car that hasn't had its oil changed. It's unsafe. So it's the same thing with the body. It's like, this is a, this is a vehicle. This is not who you are. This is the house that you live in. This is like a sweet little rental unit that you need to treat. Like you want your freaking security deposit back <laughs> and like, that's it. And so why would I obsess? Why would I berate? And yes, I will treat my body with respect, but I will also have a good time because mm-hmm. that's part of the human experience too. And you were and going back to that, like you were monitored it was a safe community that it wasn't like you were stuck in a room with a bunch of black light posters and like you know oh. like you were you were you it was under extreme like guidance beyond yeah. beyond 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 so it just as ramdas who was once richard alpert at harvard Um, with Timothy Leary, you know, in the 1960s, discovered that it's all about set and setting. You, you know, I've heard people refer to experiences with psychedelics as bad, like, oh, I had a bad trip. 
A, there are no bad trips. You just didn't know how to, how to facilitate yourself or you were not being properly facilitated. I was actually talking to a friend of mine recently who, um, has been curious about doing some ceremonial work. And he's like, yeah, but I'm really nervous. Cause when I was like 15 in my parents' basement, I did some mushrooms. And I had this really bad trip and I was like super lonely. And I was like, well, A, <laughs> you were 15. Lonely. Yeah. Yeah. A, you were 15 and in your parents' basement and B, I know your childhood experience and it was really lonely. And so do you think that maybe actually the mushrooms you were taking were trying to show you and maybe heal that? Oh, but you didn't have a facilitator. So you didn't know, <laughs> like, you know, like anything, anything is a teacher. So these so-called bad trips are really just opportunities to look at some stuff that's unhealed. Right. And, um, and so, you know, if you're listening and you're like, interested and, and curious and um, wanting to find out more, start to start to watch some documentaries. There's a really incredible one called Fantastic Fungi that's out there um, that not only explores, you know, psychedelic mushrooms, but frankly, all mushrooms are like unbelievable. The, they basically keep our ecosystem running. We have <laughs> fantastic that. little critters. I mean, that it, is for sure. It's for sure. Um, so, you know, just, I, th I think I think that the beauty that can come from exploring your own consciousness without your ego is really, really powerful, yeah. especially for healing. Last question about this, because I find this so fascinating. This I, is like, I feel like we're going to Tulum. Right? I love it. Do it, baby. Do it. <laughs> going. Um, did you keep like a journal during this so you could reflect back? And is that is that part of when you feel unsettled? Do you reflect back on that and um, kind of revisit those times where you can get remind yourself of what you found there. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. So first of all, keeping a journal when you're doing plant medicines of any kind is so important. Writing down your experiences, writing down your visuals, writing down your sensations, writing down words that, that help take you there. Absolutely. But more than revisiting the words, I find that actually going into places like holotropic breathwork and meditative states can get me right. You don't need medicine, right. To get there. It's like supercharging, you know, to do something like a psychedelic. Um, again, it's like three hours of therapy in a night, but to revisit it, you don't need, like, you don't need to keep doing them. You just need to experience it. And then you can get there through your own feeling because you now know it in your body, right? The body remembers the body keeps the score. Yeah. We love that book. Yes. yes. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. Bessel Andercock. I went to one of his workshops in New York. He's fantastic. That's really interesting. Um, so you went through this. Did you find that this was helpful in understanding your eating disorder? Or did you find that this was healing in, because I mean, I always kind of had the mindset of your eating disorder kind of peaks, but then you're living the rest of your life with disordered eating and mm -hmm. how do you heal your relationship with how you feel about food, how you, you know, it could be great one month and the next month you're like, this is trickier. Why is this tricky? Um, mm -hmm. So do you feel like you've, not that you're cured of your eating disorder or disordered eating or like, how does that relationship, um, you know, come up for you now? Yeah, absolutely. So 
first of all, you had asked if it helped me become aware and like really heal those things or, or if it was just like kind of like Vinny Vinny Vici kind of healed gone. Um, both actually, um, it really helped me to understand it and really understand again, in that way of actually knowing, not just cognitively, like, oh, my prefrontal cortex understands that like, I have this eating disorder because I want control and I want this, you know, it's like, yes, absolutely. But to be shown it, to be understood, to be felt in the body is, is a very different thing. So there was definitely a level of that. Um, but also, again, it's, it's hard to explain because it is, it's bigger. Like it's bigger than, I think, I think the understanding is a good place to just kind of leave it at. I think just to understand um, why, but also to understand that I am not the body. And so why would I do that? Yeah. Like that's my story. I'm not sticking to it. I once had a tarot card reading and she said that we're just all balls of energy that attach to a meat sack in this lifetime. I, I love like, it. Meat sack. You're right. You know a what? meat sack. It's just my meat sack for this trip around, you know, the planet or a meat sack, a bag of blood, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so good. Meat sack. Yeah. Your meat sack. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, um, I prefer plant-based, but you know what? I get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> fish bags? I don't know. Maybe fish like bag. A, you're the fish bag. Oh, I'm you're like, how about a bag of bones? Bones feels better to me. Yeah, I know. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Something like I feel very visual. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Packed in those moments. I don't know why. <laughs> um, okay. Before we, I, we ca- I cannot let you off for talking more about the chocolate. Because, yes. Yes. Because I think this is fundamentally like, you know, why maybe your purpose now, maybe it's, it's the driving force behind the Alexa wagon. So why now and why chocolate? And, and yeah. What, yeah. What else? Yeah. Yes. I love it. Um, so as I was saying earlier, Silvaggio means savage in Italian. And so I, I opened a I opened, <laughs> I love it. That's so cute. I began a, a chocolate brand, um, that is Savage Los Angeles. It's a paleo, vegan, sustainably packaged uh, chocolate bar that in, that actually, when you buy it, you actually get free yoga and meditation as well. So it, there's a little QR code that comes with it. It's like a whole thing. But I, especially after going to places like Italy or going to other cultures where food is so respected. There's just this tremendous reverence for pleasure and having an experience, you know, in our culture, we're like, quick, get your coffee, like run to work, do the thing. You have 15 minutes for lunch, get home, like take care of the kids, like make some mac and cheese and go to bed. (laughs) Right. It's like not so glam. Um, So I wanted to create a product that would help us all pause. And that actually remind us through the packaging to pause, breathe, and savor because those three things, when we put them together, we get presence. When we pause, we can actually see where we are. We can feel our feet on the ground. When we take a deep breath, we not only calm the nervous system, but 
we get into the power of now because the breath is always happening now. And to savor just means to make something last. So it's not about eating expeditiously so that we can check out. It's about savoring so that we can check in and experience our own pleasure in a really powerful and potent way. Because again, pleasure is not that thing off in the distance that we're like waiting for. There's no like magic moment where we're like, yes, now I can receive pleasure. Like pleasure is when we make it pleasurable, when we take the time to actually experience something. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. I just want us to be able to savor. I'm curious, why chocolate? I mean, I love it. Just why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, I, a few reasons, A, because cacao is already healing in itself. Um, there's so many healing properties, the antioxidants in cacao. Um, B, because I knew that it was something that we have the tendency to shame ourselves around. Right? Like, I'm not going to like guilty hear people. Right. Yeah. Like guilty pleasure. And I'm like, why have guilt with it? Like, what's that about? Like, then it's not pleasurable. Then it's just guilty. Like, I know spells no. Um, so I think that was the huge part is I was like, well, I want something that when people eat it, they usually feel bad about it. Like, oh, I ate a whole chocolate bar. Like, oh, I did this bad. I did a bad thing. And it's like, it's only bad if you checked out. It's only bad if you went unconscious. And it's only bad if you shame yourself for it. And that's also why I created it to be paleo, vegan, and sustainable. Because if you eat the whole bar, like you're doing actually, you're doing your body like a pretty nice solid. Um, but it's also indulgent. And I also made it 73% cacao because I wanted it to be intense. Like I, it's not, um, it's not like a subtle chocolate bar. It's you take a bite of it and you're like, Ooh, okay. That's a, that's a bite of chocolate. That's like, I'm a seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So yeah, <laughs> kind of take another breath, honey. Um, so yeah, that, I think that was part of it. And, and also the fact that you can like break it off and have like one piece at a time. So it's really a mindfulness product um, versus just like, you know, so many products on the market these days and this is no like blow to them, um, but like, like I, and I love it, like Halo Top ice cream, their whole marketing campaign is eat the whole thing. Yeah. That's their whole thing. They're like, no, you can eat the whole thing because it's only like 300 calories for this whole pint. Right. Yeah. And like, I guess if you're really wanting to eat the whole thing, then like, yeah, that's great. Like eat the whole thing. But if you've like had a bad day and that's your means of like, I deserve this. Like I, I deserve this because my day was shitty. Then like, that's, that's not pleasure. Yeah. That's, that's not pleasure. That's, it's like scrolling Instagram for six hours. It's not pleasure. So. Judgment. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> although I do and I am I'm like the worst at night after I put the kids down I'm like I grab my snack oh yeah I'm like mindlessly just like because it's like oh. my moment and I'm like I, I will tell you right now I'm not present I'm like I'm just like girl I still struggle and I like own a damn mindfulness chocolate brand of course like it's hard yeah. you know I, I have found the the I'm not a huge sweets person, but I do love, have you tried the frozen kind bars? Frozen kind bars? No. Well, run, run. Don't walk, run. 
to the nearest wherever they're going to be sold in your establishment. They're they're not very big, but like they're so good that you have no choice but to savor them. And it really has become like my husband and I love to when the girls go to bed, we'll have it, and I'm like like we don't talk to each other when we're eating them we're just like <laughs> you're like <"Shh>, baby <laughs> exactly it's like babe I'm not there yet hold on yeah <laughs> but th- that's, that's one of those like things that I look forward to so much and like I don't have a guilty bone in my body for indulging in that because it's I'm, I'm like I feel like it's medicine I'm like this makes me feel good absolutely I'm not ashamed of it. I want to tell everybody I know about it. Like I'm so proud of it. <laughs> like, I love I it. Next. I know, right? I'm Tonight? Like, yes. Yeah. We've got I it, love it in our in our office. So it's it's happening. Right, it's, it's happening. happening. To, it's happening tonight. Cross breed and savor it. Until yeah. we talk to you, we're like, we have to wait. Right. We're gonna sure. wait. Oh. Right. Until <laughs> we talk to you and like got the whole just experience around it. We don't even be like, okay, now what? Yeah. <laughs> I am honored. I am honored. <laughs> And that, Thank you. It, that took just a lot of, I know, restraint. restraint. We see a I'm, box and we open it and we're like, yes, this is the thing. And yeah. we go, wait, be Get patient. Away. I love it. Well, I'm very proud. Well, we can't wait to share this with our listeners. Um, So you're still in LA, correct? Are you still teaching in LA? I am. So, you know, yoga as well. I know you said meditation, but yeah, yoga and meditation. So I actually have a platform online called Savage Practices. Um, so that QR code that comes with the bar leads you there. So when you buy the chocolate, you get a month free of savage practices. It's like nine 99 a month, but it's unlimited yoga and meditation online. Um, and I'm I add probably like five classes a week. So I keep adding more and more. Say again, your breath work on there too. Breath work is on there as well. Yeah. So yoga, breath work, meditation, um, anytime, anywhere. And then there's one live class per week. So every Sunday it's a live class with me via zoom. So I just, you know, the subscribers, I just like email them all the zoom link every, every Saturday for the Sunday class. And you get a playlist with each class and, um, yeah, so I'm still teaching, but just like that. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure you're going to see us in class sometime soon. This is I <laughs> would love it. That would make my heart so full. What does Layla have to time? Yeah. So. Yeah. Shavasana, 100%. Sunday, I'm like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday is Shavasana. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, well, where can our listeners find you as well? Like awesome. all the IGs, all the emails, just go ahead and give it out. And I'll also- All the things. All the things, you know, I think as of right now, I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me at savage.practices. Um, and from there, there's a link tree that has all my other stuff. So you can get on my mailing list or you can find Savage Chocolates or what have you, but savage.practices is where it's at. Awesome. Well, Alexa, all thank right. you so much for sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate you so much. We love your story and we just, we just want the absolute best for you. Oh my gosh, both of you, thank you for having me and for carving out the time to talk to me. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. Now go more savage. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.